All right. It is the last week in our series on 1 Corinthians 15. We'll have another piece of good news next week to talk about, but it won't be out of 1 Corinthians. But uh, before we get started into that, before we jump into 1 Corinthians, I want us to actually go back to the beginning of the Bible and look at a little place in Genesis. See, uh, this week on Wednesday night, our youth and young adults class was talking about uh, the book of Genesis, and they were talking about the creation story. And uh, they got into this part in, in Genesis 2, 15 through 17. So I'm going to read you what it says. The man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. So they got to talking about this. You know, it says, If you eat this fruit, you will surely die. But then, you know, they eat the fruit, and yeah, I guess shouldn't he says the day you eat this fruit, you'll surely die. Shouldn't Adam have eaten the fruit and then died? Shouldn't Eve have eaten the fruit and then dropped dead? So why didn't they do it? Was God making an idle threat? Was he just you know just trying to make them believe that they would die because he really didn't want them to eat that fruit? Did God just decide to have mercy on them and just not follow through with this threat and give them some grace in that? Or was this some kind of a spiritual death that they experienced, a separation from God, but not like a literal physical death? I think there's some merit in, in, in some of these things. And uh, surely they were separated from God on that day. But Susan... Uh, in her, her wisdom, answered them correctly, I believe. Because what Susan told them is that death wasn't a thing before Adam and Eve sinned. If Adam hadn't sinned, he never would have died. He'd still be knocking around today. If Eve hadn't sinned, she wouldn't have died. And Adam and Eve didn't die immediately after the fruit, after eating that fruit, but they did die. The consequence of sin was that death was ushered into the world. And that death wouldn't have been a thing if sin had never been a thing. And the bottom line is that God didn't create us to die. He created us to live. And death is a result of sin. So I want us to keep that in mind as we read today's scripture in 1 Corinthians 15. And as we look at yet another facet of how the gospel is good news for us. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 58. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, 
But we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When this perishable body puts on imperishability and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your sting? Where, O death, is your victory? The sting of death is sin, but the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we've talked a lot in this series about how the gospel is good news for us as individuals, right? We, we've talked the first week, the gospel is good news for me because Jesus forgives me of my sins. I get victory over death. I get to experience freedom from sin. I receive a new life. Right? And that's all true. That is, the gospel is incredibly good news for us individuals. God is doing an awful lot for me. But the thing is, the, the gospel is not just good news for me as an individual or for you as an individual. The good news of the gospel doesn't stop there. It's not like the, the, the gospel is good news for you and for me and we get all of these benefits and then the rest of the world, the gospel is somehow like bad news for them. Too often we've taught that and believed it. But the fact is, the gospel is good news for the whole world. The gospel is good news for all of creation. And it's good news for Jesus too. Jesus came to this earth as a baby to usher in a kingdom. He spent his time on this earth preaching and teaching and demonstrating the power of that kingdom through signs and miracles. Jesus died to establish that kingdom. And he rose to empower that kingdom in victory. He established a church to spread that kingdom across the globe. And he's coming again to consummate his victory and his reign as king over all the earth. And the good news of the gospel isn't just that me as an individual gets to take part in that kingdom. The good news of the gospel is that King Jesus is coming to set right what sin messed up. Jesus is going to clothe creation in imperishability again. And we're going to have what we had in the garden before sin messed it up. That is the good news of the gospel for all creation. That sin came and, and 
took what was imperishable and made it perishable. But Jesus came so that we might have victory over sin and that we might have all creation clothed in imperishability again. I love the, the taunting nature of what Paul says about death. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Bring it, death, come on, because Jesus has victory over that. He isn't just, it isn't just that God is politely pushing death to the side. Okay, death, you've done your job. You can go away now. God and Jesus is taking death and taking sin and just kicking it right in the face. It's like he's taunting death. He's like, death, you got mud on your face. You're a big disgrace. And Jesus is kicking your can all over the place. That is the, the tone that Paul has over death in this chapter. Jesus is defeating death. Jesus is defeating sin. King Jesus doesn't have time for sin when his kingdom arrives in full. King Jesus doesn't have time to mourn over death when his kingdom comes in full. The world will be rid of the scourge of sin and death and holiness will be all that there is. And holiness is and it's going to be in such full swing that, that the law will be totally obsolete. We don't have to worry about following the law anymore. We don't have to worry about morality anymore because holiness is here to stay. Sin isn't even an option. Jesus will take what was broken in the garden. He will reverse it and he will make things right again. And y'all, that's good news for the whole world. It's good news for everybody and good news for everything. The gospel isn't just that I, as an individual, get forgiven and saved and rescued. It's that the whole world gets restored. King Jesus' victory is the good news. It is the gospel. He achieved a victory on the cross. He achieved a victory on the resurrection. And he will achieve a victory in the second coming. The redemption of all creation is on the way. So that means that we get a choice, right? We get to take part in this glorious redemption of all things. Or we can choose to miss out on it. Just because the gospel is good news from all creation doesn't mean that we're exempt from consequences of sin. If we choose to reject the gospel, if we choose to reject Jesus Christ, then we don't get to take part in this victory. We don't get to take part in this new creation. We can decide, we can join in this new thing that God is doing, or we can cling to our own selfishness. We can cling to our own ways, and we can miss out. When sin gets defeated, and when sin and death get overthrown, we can choose our, to throw our lot in with sin and death, and we can get overthrown with it. 
or we can be a part of what God is doing. When I played football in high school, there was nothing worse than when we went on an away road trip and lost a game. I grew up in Augusta. Many of our games were in Macon, and that's like a three and a half hour drive. There's not a good interstate in there. When you go out there and you give it all on the field and you lay down everything you have and try so hard to work at something and exhaust yourself trying to win this game and it still wasn't enough to ensure victory, that's a bad feeling. And we made some quiet bus trips back home from Macon. Those were some somber and uncomfortable trips. It feels bad when you go and you lose and you have to spend three hours on a bus just marinating in that loss after trying your hardest. But if we won, man, those were some of the greatest things. Those were some, some three joyous hours. We'd sing songs and cut up and just pretty much party the whole way back. Our quarterback, Andrew Kramer, would lead us in the Indiana Jones theme song as soon as we crossed the threshold away from the, floor, from, the, from the campus for some reason. I don't know why we did that, but we did it every single time. If we won, if we lost, there was no Indiana Jones. Steve Green would rap the Fresh Prince theme song for some reason. And then he would sing the Wild Wild West song. You remember that, that, yeah, for some reason. That movie had just come out, and I, Steve Green thought it was cool. We'd shout our bus driver's name at random, and he'd wave his fist in the air, and we'd go, yeah! I mean, it was the greatest to have that trip after a victory. And I think this is why Paul, toward the end of this chapter, assures us that our labor is not in vain. Because if we were to labor for Christ, if we were to labor and put ourselves out there and give up the, the temporary pleasures of this world, and, and you know, especially what Paul was doing, man, he, he faced all kinds of persecution. And if he were to do that, and then death had the final word, well, that why would he even do it? Why would he, why would he put himself out there if he knew that he was just going to lose? But what he's saying is that the victory is assured. We're going to have that fun bus ride back. <laughs> And we can put it all out there. And we can serve God. And we can, we can sacrifice for God. And we can, we can put it all on the line for God. And it will not go to waste. All the sacrifices we make for holiness. Every time we love someone that, that seems unlovable because we want to communicate to them that Christ loves them too. Every time we feed the poor and tend to the sick when we could be doing something else. What we're doing is we're making a down payment for Eden. We are working with King Jesus to bring about some good news for the whole world. 
And we get to be steadfast and unmovable because we know that our king will win out against sin and death in the end. We can leave it all on the field knowing that our reward is assured, victory is in the bag, and King Jesus has got us. And y'all, that's good news. The gospel is such good news for us as individuals. It's such good news that we can be forgiven, that we get a victory, that we don't have to sin anymore, that we receive new bodies and new creation for ourselves. But we are also a part of something bigger than just us. We are a part of what King Jesus is doing in the whole world. And the good news of, gospel, of the gospel, apart from you or me, is that Jesus is the king. And that King Jesus has big plans for creation. He wants to redeem it. He wants to reverse the curse of sin. He wants to put on imperishability where sin had made the world corrupt. And Jesus is going to do that in such a way that death will lose its sting. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord and our King, Jesus Christ. So we get to choose. Do we want to be a part of what King Jesus is doing for this creation? Or do we want to be a part of what sin is doing to mess things up for everybody? The good news of the gospel is that he gives us the power to be a part of this kingdom to serve our king well and to love the world so that we can be a part of the new creation and not a part of the old creation. Let's go to God in prayer. God, I thank you for this good news. I thank you for this gospel that Paul laid out in this chapter. How there are so many different facets to this good news. But God, I thank you that this good news culminates in a restored world. Jesus, give us the grace to want to be a part of that. To serve and to love and to put ourselves out there so that your redemption will spread farther sooner than it would without us. God, show us a glimpse of this victory where death is swallowed up, where sin is no more, and where your rule and your reign last forever. Make us excited for that, God so that we can serve you. Show us some more of yourself, God. In your name I pray, amen. Go now in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, serving King Jesus faithfully. Amen.